0: That. This week I read one to, t- to talk about the famous story of Nachman. He has many famous stories, but one of uh, one of that's so practical for every one of us is called the Chocham and the Tam. If I say over the story, I was asked, I was once called by. Uh, a conservative shul, someplace out the Malibu, they asked me for, but come, watch the play they heard on Bresla Breslov They put up a play, Lechacham V'Tam, and it's very, very popular. Someone told me even the, a professor wrote a whole thesis on this story. And mostly, <clears throat> I hear this from people who are in the rehab center. Always tell me this story hits extremely home. Now the story, Shlomo Achmaz said, it has extremes, but we can all find our ourselves in part of the story. Some of the story is very, <clears throat> very you know, in, uh, in, uh, extreme. Plus, you know, the story really describes how people lived in his days. <clears throat> I'm sure, today's days things. If you want to explain the story. Let me explain what Rabbi Nachman said before I say over the story. Ram Nachman said before he passed away, this, the, these were the stories that he said. And he said these are the stories that really could help a person incredible much to get close to Hashem. Just reading the stories and trying to understand the stories. Some are, some are incredibly complex. Some are just awesome. Some are very practical. This is a more practical, where you don't have to know much of Kabbalah teaching and just to just understand what he wants to bring out with this story. So it begins, there were two wealthy people living in a town, in a shtetl. And they had, each one had a son, and one was a very, very bright boy extremely extremely brilliant boy and one was a tam tam means a simple very simple not very smart but not stupid just very simple shallow they both parents had houses what happened was the economy went downwards and the parents told the children there's no way we could help you you must go out and do it alone make yourself life, you know, can't afford it anymore. And uh, so the Chocham, okay. okay, he's got to start working. So he, uh, I mean, going not say so accurately because it's hard for us to get the picture of how those days things were, but the point was he finally quit, took a job and he worked for a while. He was working for people who were traveling. To Warsaw, That's like going to New York City. You know, these are people living in a shtetl, and they were going to this big city. And he said, I'll be, in Yiddish, we call it a schlepper. I'll help you schlep, carry. And they paid him for it. Came to the city. He saw another type of a job where people wear uniforms. I remember, you know, I remember as a young child, there were stores where the clerks had to wear a uniform. Couldn't... uh, I'm afraid that doesn't exist anymore. But anyway, so he, he liked the idea. He said, I want to work there. Then he didn't like that, but he liked something else. He was gonna jump to another job. Finally, he decided, you know what? I need to travel the world before I settle down. So he heard a group of people are traveling all the ways to Spain. And people are traveling all the ways. So then he went to Spain, and he went to Italy. So he was working the whole time, but as he was, he was traveling the world, as he was working. You know, he was working hard, and he was traveling the world. So what happened? So this is how he was spending time. You know, while traveling the world, he saw all different cultures, all the different cultures. But, you know, I was, you know, seeing Italy, Spain, and Portugal. Finally... He decided, you know, I got to settle down. I got to get married. I need to settle. So he's tried to figure out what is the best panassa, you know, to make now. To find a livelihood to work. So he decided a goldsmith was a good good panasta to do. Deal with uh, making jewelry. And being that he was so bright, but took another person a long time, he became an expert, and not just he became an expert, he became better than his own teacher. He was so good at what he was doing, he became even much, much, much better, and he was did an incredible you know, not, you know, to be a jeweler in those days, you created the jewelry, you have to make a bold. He was extremely good. Sits down and thinks to himself, you know, one panas is not good enough, one livelihood. How to become another one? Never know. That's like saying he became a lawyer. That's not good enough. So he decided to be stone graver. You know, people who engrave into stones, pictures, and, and that it really needs a great talent, you know, to do it. And being that he was so bright, again, in a very short time, he became a, a, a very good at his work. So good that it was just amazing. Then... Finally has two professions in his hands. He says to himself, "You know, you never know if the economy goes down, the first thing that loses is luxury. You know it loses jewelry, stone carving. You know what people need always?" He was thinking, a doctor. No matter how good and bad economy people get sick. So he decided to become a doctor. Even in those days to become a doctor, you have to learn Latin. Here, the brings down the story. So he went. He taught himself Latin, but because he was so bright, what took people years, he did it in a quarter of a year. And he became this famous, famous doctor. So he had a resume reading, like we would call today, doctor, lawyer, accountant. Reading those days, he was a jeweler a stone cutter, and a doctor. This was his fame, and he became... Now, we're gonna change a little bit the story and go move on. What happened to, the, to his friend? He had, as I mentioned, there were two guys, and he had a friend who was called the Tom. So the Tom, what happened was that he was very simple, he was not very smart, so he decided he'll become a shoemaker. Now to explain a shoemaker in those days was a very difficult job, hard working, had to work long hours, and he became, this is how he became, he became a shoemaker. Shoemaker was sort of a step above a schlepper. Schlepper, you know, people don't know what a schlepper is. A schlepper is a Yiddish word for people, a porter. Porter really just have to have, but he, but and he got married. First thing he did, he got married. He moved in. His parents' father passed away. So he moved into his father's house. And he took care of it. And he got married. And he worked incredible hard. But he was always happy. And always, always happy in a good mood. He would sing and be extremely, extremely happy. First thing... You know, know, they were so poor because they couldn't make ends meet with making a shoemaker that all they had was bread and water. So he would get up in the morning and would tell his wife, serve us this gourmet breakfast. You cut him a slice of bread and you say to her, I never tasted such bread. It's an incredible slice of bread. Never. Then, you know, it was supper time. The exact thing was repeated. He eats, sits down for the meal and he cuts him a slice of bread. And again he says, it's incredible. I mean, you just, such delicious bread. Then he asks for a slice of fish. So she cuts him a slice of bread and he says, where did you get such fish? And, you know, he's enjoying the piece of bread and saying, the fish takes, tastes incredible. This is going on, the same thing with, the fine. he says, now I need a piece of meat. So he cuts him another slice of bread. And he says, wow, this meat tastes delicious. And it sounded a little bit ridiculous, but that's how he lived. And you would ask him, he would ask for to drink. You know, we gave him water, then he says, can I have a glass of wine? She pour him a glass of water, and he says, wow, such delicious wine you gave me. This is how he lived. He was always happy and just imagining and extremely, extremely happy with himself. Now, all he owned was one coat that he shared with his wife. And it got a little bit uh, spring weather, a little bit you needed something to wear. He would tell us, well, can you get me the spring coat? She'd bring this huge overcoat and says, wow, what a wonderful spring coat I have. That it would raining, he, can I have my raincoat? She would give him again this overcoat. And again, it was just such a wonderful raincoat. Everything he did was literally, you know, he was just in an incredible mood, he was. And everything was great and everything was good. This went on with his clothing. I always say, it doesn't say a Lachma's story, and I only add to his story, he would get up and would say to his wife, You're the most beautiful woman in the world. And he was the best wife in the world. Because everything he lived with, he just imagined in an incredible happy way. Which sounds silly, but that's how he lived his life. And, you know, he was making his shoes. And because he was not a good shoemaker, the shoes that he would make... Instead of having a front and a back, had three corners. It turned out sometimes sometimes his shoes were a triangle. Now, you know, so that's why his shoes were never sold full price. And one day his wife says to him, You know, that you know, bring some of the shoe. They are talking about the shoe, and he says to his wife, Look at the shoe that I made today. And he starts saying, Look, it's incredible. She says to him, I have one question to you, my dear husband. If it's so incredible, why is your shoe sold half the price? So he answered her, this is them and this is me. I don't compare myself. This is them. And he takes the shoe and he says to her, it, the leather costed me so much money. The glue costed me so much money. The thread costed me so much money. And I worked so many hours and it's great And here I have this shoe, and I'll sell it, and we're going to have bread and water to eat. It was just full of enthusiasm. And, you know, the story has a very profound meaning. Before I go on, one of the things always the chassidim say about this part of the story, that Nachma tried to show that a person should be very happy with themselves. Sometimes you make something in life, and you're annoyed at yourself, that you know he didn't do this, and this turn turned out. You see, not only was he happy with what was happening to him alive, but what he created, which was our three, shoe, and still, which to us would have been a disaster, he just was always so happy about this. Then, because he was so simple, unfortunately, society take you know like to tease him. And people used to start making jokes with him, and he'd always tell them, If you're gonna outwit me, you're a fool, because I'm a fool. I'm not smart. And if I'm gonna outwit you, as Oi, you. and you. know, And also, the profoundness of this part is that I learned as a young man, or the first time I read this story, people who are slow and who are different know that they're slow, and they know they're different. They used to always think it's not so. I mean, he knew this, you know, the way he describes his story, you know the people are teasing him. He used to say, you know, if you outwit me, I'm not a smart man. What did you gain? You're just being a foolish person. But still, with his limitations, he was always, always happy, and he worked very hard. This, as he, in the story he describes, that he would eat while he was working. He literally had no time for himself. But he was always, always, always extremely joyful. Everything he did was just praising, praising his wife, praising the people around him. That's how the town lived. The Chochram, he opened, he came, he decided, he wants to settle and get married. It's about time to get married. This, this person is not a family, he wants to get married, he's getting old. So he says, I should get married over there, no one knows who I am. If I come back to my hometown, now that I'm a doctor, a jeweler, a stone cutter, now the whole world is gonna. So as he c- comes home, the whole town, the whole town was tumbling. The chokum is coming back. So he hears about it and he tells his wife, give me my new coat. I have to greet my dear friend who's coming. He doesn't ask questions, grabs his coat, which was uh old one, runs, doesn't ask questions, jumps into the wagon, and he hugs his, his friend, and his friend looked at him, oh, this is your, we were once upon a time friends young, and he, he totally, now that he became so big by himself, arrogant, he looked at his friend, what a fool you are, but he didn't want to heard hurt his feelings, but that's how he related to him, and what really happened, that's how he related to everyone, because he felt there's no one knows how to appreciate him. He's so smart, he's so clever, he's a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant. There's no one who could appreciate well done. He was just also very agitated, because he went to a tailor to have himself made a suit, and explained to the tailor in detail how he wants a suit, and didn't come out so perfect. He was so agitated. He said, if I would be in Italy, people would look at it as a joke how this, this mistake was done. And if I would be in Spain, people look at it as a joke. So when he had his suit made, he was very agitated on himself. He comes, comes to, he moves into his place. Since his place was never been taken care of, his house, he left it for a few years. He, he came in. It was a disaster. And his friend the time used to visit him all the time. And he asked her, you know, you look so depressed and so angry and so despondent, he says. You know, says, so his friend tells him, you know, you are very not smart. and You are stupid. You don't understand what this is all about. So he said to him, you know, I might be not smart, but I could come to your situation. I wonder if you ever come to my situation. Meaning to say, I can become wealthy and successful. You, I wonder if you could ever become happy as me. So the Chochem started laughing at him. He says to him like this, You should come to what I know. That's impossible. You should become smart. You're just stupid. I should come to you. And say, that is really possible. If I lose my mind, I'll be like you. Let's say you know, really? So, but they were friends. And they hung out together. And he opened his business. And he opens his business. And the first thing he comes, the guy comes in and orders, commissions him to make a piece of jewelry for his wife. Earrings, and he makes the earrings. He works very, very hard to create the earrings. He creates the earrings, and the guy comes and looks at it and says, This is what you made for a thousand rubles? This is what you made? And he says, the guy was so unhappy about it. He was just devastated. If I would take this to Spain, I could get 10,000 ruble. This guy didn't like what I liked, what I created. He was so hurt and so f- uh, full of emotional pain. Next time someone comes in, asks him to copy, to cut a piece of stone, to copy the picture, engrave exactly a duplicate that he has. And he worked very hard and he made a tiny, tiny mistake that no one could tell, and only a great expert. And the guy comes, and he says, wow, it's so perfect. He in himself was so doubtful. He says, one day an expert is going to look at it and see there's a slight error. You don't, He didn't tell him. But I know he doesn't realize, but one day they're going to forget I did and I made an error. He was, how could I make such an error? Again, he was just, he was in emotional pain. When things were right, he was upset that they don't praise him enough. When things were wrong, people didn't know about it. He self doubted himself. He was angry at himself. The next party was a doctor. No, A very sick person was brought to him, tried to, you know, tried very much to save his life, and the guy died. The entire town says the doctor killed him. Doctor missed the opportunity, didn't diagnose him right he was in enormous pain. Me, they know they don't understand. The patient came to me when things were too late. I tried everything maybe to revive him. Me, I, again, he was just for weeks in an emotional pain. Next time, a very sick person was brought to him. And this time, the sick person, he worked literally seven, they did not leave the bed to make sure this guy is gonna survive. And he did survive. He goes in town, he wants to hear what the townspeople are saying. Townspeople say, you know, it's like we say today in America, either you, you, know, you take vitamin um, C for seven days, or you just lay, you know, and the cold is going to go away, or just drink a lot and the cold is going to go away. Either way, it's going to last seven days. People are saying, you think the doctor saved his life? He was, anyways going to get better after a week. You know, this illness lasts a week, and he was going to get better. Here again... He was in emotional turmoil, an incredible emotional turmoil. Before I go on to the story, you know, what Rabbi Nachman said, explained in this story is, I once said the story over for a group of women, and must have been about 30 ladies. I asked the woman that, what type of a husband you want? Rather a guy who's always happy, not too smart, always full of compliments, or a guy extremely wealthy and an incredible turmoil, emotional turmoil. You know, all of them said they would never, having a simple person's happy is a lot better than having a person emotional turmoil. This guy was a great success. in the story he looks like, and he, he was wealthy, and he had this big house. But his emotional turmoil was so terrible that no one was able to hang out with him. He was just couldn't live with him because he doubted himself. He was angry with himself. He was not happy with himself. Of time, everyone loved to be in his presence. He was very simple, not for smart, and he was, acted silly. Like, you know, when he gave him a glass of water, he would say, Wow, the greatest wine I just tasted today. But people just flocked to him and liked him. Because the truth is, people do like a happy person. You know, I've, I always tell my children, when you go into a room full of people, the first face you're going to realize is a smiley face. That's the first thing, you know, that catches your attention. It's not the person who's tall, not the lady who's pretty, who the dress is this way, the makeup is this way. You know, being having so much daughters, I see them, the first thing that catches an eye is a smile because people deep down want the happiness. The happiness of the town was so incredible That people loved him, just loved to be in his presence. Now, you know, in in life, this is incredibly important. That if you're happy what you have, you truly have what you have. This is, Nachman speaks a lot about this. That when you're happy what you have, you really have what you have. If you're not happy what you have, you don't even have what you have. Because what happens is that uh, that is you don't enjoy the gift that you have, so it has has no meaning to it. But if you enjoy whatever you have today, you enjoy it, you have what you have. That's why it is incredibly important, you know what says, even to be happy with your own shortcomings, not to knock yourself always. I mean, he made a shoe made out of three he says, imagine that, you know, he could have been depressed about it, angry about it. Here he was, just said, look at my shoe. Instead of being, instead of being embarrassed, see, the, the, the depths of this thing is, because the truth is he knew that his shoe was selling half the price. He knew that he's not making ends meet. And he knew that the reason people are paying half price, because he does not know how to make a shoe the right way. And that's why Sam. Um, but he decided, this is me, and I'll be happy. See, it, and we'll later see, and hopefully, maybe next week I'll finish the story, this propelled him, later we'll see, he turned out a booming success. Because when a person walks around self-doubting himself, and angry with himself, and frustrated with themselves, It doesn't allow you. You could be brilliant and learn to be a doctor that you get stuck and it could bring you down totally. Totally bring you into shol takhtis. So, and and the other way around, when you're happy, you know, it does have an incredible effect. One of the things the Zoe keeps on saying over and over, this week's Pasha, the Zoe coming Pasha, Zoe says, with this happiness, the shechina rest, and this, you attract positive things. Yaakov Avini, the 22 years the Shekhinah couldn't be with him because he was very depressed. He, was, uh, he lost Yasef. That caused Yaakov that, uh, to be limited. He, uh, he didn't, but if a person is happy, the Shekhinah literally, not only this, happy people attract a positive energy. Unhappy people, you know, don't attract the positive energy. When I mean, you're really happy, you bring to yourself a very powerful pop, uh, um, um, energy to yourself, and this is what the Nachm is trying to say in the story. He turned out to be later a great success this Bob, this Tom, and the, the what's name turned out to be a disaster. So let, let me try to move on in the story. What happened was the king read all about his people in the cities. And someone pointed out, you know, in the city there's a, there's a, 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 a there's a two friends are very close to each other. One has the nickname Chacham, one has the nickname Tam. That really caught his attention. You know, they called one a Chacham, one a Tam, the nickname. He would love to meet them. You know, but King didn't want to call them officially right away because you know it wasn't important. You know, he didn't want to get them frightened. So he decided. That he's going to ask the governor to send a letter, and he sent a wise man with a wise person with a letter, and he sent a simple person with for the simple person a letter from the king that the king really wants to see them. Now, he adds in the middle of the story, interesting concept: where in the king's palace is there a simple person? The treasurer, he always appointed a simple person because simple people do not cheat. Oh, is this true? Is this true? People are too smart, always are like, you know, maybe we need, uh, we could spend the money for this, we could spend the money for that. Simple people are, this is it, this is what we spend. There's no, anyways, he got a simple person to to deliver a letter. to deliver a letter to this to uh, the, uh, to, to the simple person and what happened was as he came the simple person was coming and he to, to this Tom as we call him and he says I have a letter from the king he says are you joking no not joking he says I cannot read read me the letter he says the king wants to see you wants to see me Runs to his house. The king wants to see me. His wife says, "Why? I don't know. Just give me the coat." And he runs. What happened was, he went to the wagon. Now this guy knew that how poor he is, so he didn't want to bring him to the king. Thank you. He didn't want to bring him to the king uh, uh, um, with his with his torn clothing. So in the wagon, he bought him a new coat and new jacket and new clothing. And he comes into the wagon and says, "This all this is for me." You really? Yes, no joke. He put it out. Because, you know, very simple. He's going to just, this is a long trek to get to the king. The king sent a message that the governor was found to be cheating. He fired the governor. And the king, without even meeting the simple person, said he wants the simple person to become the governor. That's what he wants. And he became a governor, this simple person. And being he was so simple and straightforward, he ran in an incredible way. People will love the way, because to run the government, if you're simple and straight, you know, politicians, then you run. If you're a politician, it's a disaster. The reason why the, the things are disasters because, you know because they're politicians. They're too, you know, they want to do this and want to get you, you to vote for him and him to vote. Simple, it's not so difficult to run. And he was extremely not only those days the governor was also a judge, you know. And any difficult case would come to him, and he would judge it. And his fame became known, became very very much known as fame. And the guy, one of his advisors told him that the king is going to call you for an audience. And those days, you had to know how to speak the language of the palace. You know, each palace said it was French or it was whatever. You had to speak. So he said, Okay, I don't know, get me someone." He said, taught him. The king met him. He was so impressed by him. So he pointed at him the prime minister, imagine. And as he was and the king said you should build him a house, like a mansion, like a prime minister. And the thought came to him what he told the town, the chokham, the had the Hadrian conversation, I could get to your situation. Look what a success I am. I wonder what happened to my friend, the Chacham. That's what the Tom was thinking, and he was loved by everyone, the the Prime Minister, and he was he was because he was simple and always happy. The rule is, happy people, as we say in America, is called affable. You like him, people like an a happy person. That's what it is. You get attracted, and people like them, like to be around them, spend time with them, and it was a great success. The Chocham, come back to the Chocham, when the Chocham brought him a letter, and he says, the king would like to see you, the Chocham says, the king would like to see me? Me? Who am I the king should want to see? All of a sudden he became this humble person. He lived a life of arrogance, he says, who am I? Why would the king want to see me? That doesn't make sense. Smart, I'm sure the palace is just to smart people. Why would the king want to see me? Something is amiss, he says. He says, let us let me sleep a night over it. And tomorrow we'll discuss it. The next morning he gets up and he asks the chokam, did you ever see the king? You no, know, he lived in the, in the city, but you no, know, I never saw the king. I want to tell you a secret. There is no king. There is no king. He says, what is it? There are a bunch of people running the government. Because when I was in Portugal... There was, there was also no king, and they say there's a king, but there's no king. I have proof. you never met the king. I want to tell you it's full of baloney. The letter is baloney, the king is baloney. It's it, it just, uh, and they were talking, and, and a long conversation, and he finally convinced them. He says, let me prove it to you. They go outside, and they find a military soldier. So they ask the soldier, you know, who do you, who, which, which soldier, who, do you, who is your allegiance with? King so and so asked the show, Did you ever see the king? He said, No. And he started laughing. He's a soldier, is willing to give his life. He never saw the king. There is no king. So they, as it was going, they found someone a high rank, found the general. And they asked the general, Who is your allegiance? Yes, with the king. Did you ever meet the king? He says, No. And they start laughing. See how crazy this is? There is no king. He never met him. No one met him. There is no king. Really, this part of the story is a frightening part of the story. But this alludes to the fact how people become non-believers. You know, I mean, things that make so common sense, but they don't want to believe, so they say, it's not existing. Just like, you know, if you, I don't see it, it doesn't exist. He says, you know, you never you never saw the king. and you know. So this, they decided, hey, these two people decided... They're gonna go wandering, and to prove the world that all know what they're talking about. So after, as they were wa- traveling, slowly his money was being used up. You know, there was, once upon a time there was no credit card, so whatever money they had was being used up. And as they were traveling, they came. Uh, <clears throat> they came to. They had to sell one, one uh, horse, and they had just one other horse. Finally, come to the city, where this. Minister, Prime Minister, his friend was living. And he here sees there's a lot of waggons, a big a lot of people waiting. Who are they waiting there for? He says they're waiting for there's someone a Shem. You know, just like it was a Tov. and the, you know, someone could make miracles. And they both started laughing. This is another there's no king, there's no Baal Shem. then it's full of baloney and they went to a restaurant to eat. And they got into conversation with the restaurant owner. You know, and he says to, the, you know, and, and they tell him, this is a, such a nonsense to believe that guy could heal you with the, with the Baal Shem. And the restaurant says, finish eating and get out of here. This town, we all uh, awe and get great respect for this Baal Shem. So again, but they didn't stop. And the son of the Bashem walked into the restaurant, and they were making fun of him from the, the restaurant on his side. He gave them a zetz, zetz means a punch. Doesn't say where. Gave them both a punch and beat them up and kicked them out of the store. So he took him to court, and he goes to court. He finds a complaint, and he and, and in court he says, you know, this guy, uh, you know, beat me up. He says, why did he beat you up? Because I made fun of Halsham. The guy judges. You made fun of Hashem. He gave him also two patch and kicked him out of his office. So he was trying, that this didn't work. He was trying to create the ladder of the judicial system. Finally, he was allowed an audience to the prime minister. Not knowing who the prime minister is, not knowing this was time. And as he walks in, the prime minister recognized him. Immediately he recognized him. And he, and again, this thought crossed his mind. Here I'm this big success. And he looks at him, this guy is down in the, down always. And again, he's, you know, he brings his case, and the prime minister was extremely, and indica- told them to him that you're wrong, the Bashem does help. And they got into this argument. For I go on, what mis- illustrates with this story is that a person in his own mind could become an incredible epicurus. And, and his whole success could go down, 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 down. This is what happened to this guy. This guy was a, you know, was a doctor and a thing. And just to prove there's no king, he went on this journey and just ruined his whole life. Where the Tom acted like a Tom, lived like a Tom, was happy like a Tom, had an incredible successful life. See, in, in, in life the pain in life that's supposed to be is going to be with all of us. You know, this Shabbos, I explained this. You know, Hashem tells Yaakov Hinei imach I'm going to watch you. Why didn't I, you know, So, what is Hashem trying to tell him? You're not going to be alone with your problems. I am with you. Hinei imach. I imagine anyone over here such words. It will have such an impact you know, the fear of being alone. The fear of going through life. with the, So Hashem says, I'm going to watch you. Whatever you do, I'm going to watch you. I'll be with you. Why didn't Hashem tell him? Much better. You know, your father knows he's going to try to kill you. It ain't going to happen. He's going to try to cheat you a hundred times. It's not going to happen. You know, you're going to have to work for him seven years to get one wife, seven years for another wife. If you know, see, if a person knows ahead of time what has to be done, the life will be great. Yaakov worked seven years to get Rachel, and the morning of his wedding, he gets up. It's not Rachel, it's Leia. Do you know how humiliating this is? Imagine seven, not that he dated her for a few times, seven years he dated her. And he worked every day just together. He gets up in the morning and he feels deceived, violated, humiliated. Every 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 verb you could imagine. Right? Hashem could have told him, listen Yaakov, I'm going to give you a CD. Watch the CD of your life, the ahead of time. What's going to be ahead of time? You're going to marry two wives. Don't worry about it. You need two wives. You need all four. Whatever. And then your father-in-law is going to... And and your brother's coming with 400 men, it's just baloney, he's full of baloney, it's not going to happen, nothing's going to happen, Yosef disappears on you, don't worry about it, he's in a safe place, he's going to be king. Shem didn't say that to him. All Hashem said to him, I am with you, you're not alone. Because that's all Hashem tells us. And the rest is our challenge of life. Shem doesn't tell anyone... This is the challenge, the biggest challenge we have in life, is to know that Hashem is with us, we're not alone, and this is, the, this is what gives us the power. So Hashem doesn't tell anyone the future, what's going to be, what's not going to be. That doesn't happen. He just, what Hashem does to us, he says, told Kalal Yisrael, you're, so in, the best thing is anyways to have, be happy, because we don't know the outcome, what's going to be. We don't know what today is going to be. We don't know what's gonna to be tomorrow. What we can do to ourselves is just take the challenges of life and just be happy. I often say over a story that many, many years ago and I was at uh, <clears throat> I stuck at the airport in New York City and there was an airline called a TWA, if you remember such an airline. And it was a terrible snowstorm. And, I'm, and we all are waiting. No planes are leaving. And I remember that the, you know, hours we were sitting already. And there was a lady running around, taking notes of the planes. And looking. I asked her, what is your job? So she tells me her job, and her team is, whenever there's chaos, that's when we come in. So she, I asked her, you know, every day you know, every day there's chaos. Because, you know, if a plane is delayed and the luggage is delayed, her team gets paid to take care of chaos. So from then on, I had a lot of children still living at home, but Hashem knows they married. And I would tell myself, Friday, my job is to take care of chaos at home. I should be animated and happy. I was, I was like a shock. This lady was full of energy. Anim- we all were all sitting there, and hours already, and she was just coming every 20 minutes, checking the planes. And See, the truth is, we, our life is a challenge And if you walk around with your nose down, it doesn't help it. If you tell yourself, we are, Hashem put this into our hand. And this is, we need, we have to take care of our chaos. Everyone has their chaos in their life, what happens. Yaakov didn't have a perfect life. Far from perfect. Just thinking of the pain that he went through, it boggles the mind. Just thinking about it. I don't know anyone who's willing to work seven years to get a wife. You know what the Medrish says? Why? Why did it happen that Yaakov worked seven years? His father-in-law figured out that he needs my protection. His father in law says, you need my protection. It was his uncle. You don't want Asaf to kill you. You know what? I'll watch you, protect you, but I need your work and you know Yaakov was negotiating. You work seven years, you get her. Rasha says those days you you gave a dowry for your daughter it wasn't that the things were the, the reverse Lava was an opportunist he knew that Yaakov was vulnerable and he figured let me use him as much as I could and he used him seven years of labor free labor to get Rachel. I mean I would have said if, Hashem's promise, you know, if Hashem says I'll be with you I'll take care of you I mean nothing to worry about but no you know, he wakes up in the morning, and it's not Rachel. You, you should have said, someone fell asleep on the watch. No? I mean, uh, Shem said, he'll watch me. No, he didn't fall asleep. Yaakov, how did Yaakov make peace? You know, the famous question that is showing him say: how did Yaakov really make peace? Because you're not allowed to live with a lady you don't like. Otherwise, the children turn out to be terrible children. So how did he continue his Because Yaakov realized, this is what's meant to be this is also my civic, my wife. And he made sure to love her. It's, we don't, that's important is the happiness that we need is just as life goes on, you have to, instead of waiting something to happen to you to be happy, you should be happy, not wait things to make happy. You know, I unfortunately had to be with one of my children who was getting chemotherapy, and it was a teenager then, It goes back many years. I grew up, Bar HaShem, without a television. I don't have a television, and you know, he was a young teenager, and there was sitting a bunch of teenagers, and they were having a TV set, uh, how's it called, a humorous show, what it's called, comedy. So, I, some of the jokes weren't funny, but I realized the reason people are laughing, because there was a laughing machine, it's called whatever it's called, in the background. So I realized, people wait other people to make me laugh, not that I was really happy, you know, people want someone else to make them happy. Instead of, I am going to be happy. You, you, don't, you shouldn't wait for someone making you happy. You should be happy because you are you and you should be happy. Then you could, then you could be happy with chaos around you. Like this lady. This lady got up in, in the TWA. Her job was... To take care of chaos. And she was inanimated. I was amazed. She was running around, she was smiling. We were so down, waiting the hours already. This is what she gets paid for. We also this we don't know what's gonna be good. Well, what well, this is today gonna be a great day? Is the, the this year gonna be a great year? We have no, no one knows. But what it is, what we can do is is, is we should just be happy, and whatever comes our way, we're going to take care of it. So it helps a person. This is the story of the Tam. The Tam didn't wait to be happy, someone to make him happy. His job, his income, he decided to be happy, and that made him a great success. And the Chokham was brilliant, and really very, very talented, with all his talent and brilliance, went into the depths of a... Of hell because he was a smart aleck, because he wasn't a happy person. doubted himself, was angry with himself, you know, doubted the existing of God, doubted everything. He doubted. See, this is very, very, very important because the challenge of life the hardships of life and the challenge of life is the unknown. Because if people would know the future, then, then you know, it's, you know, like someone said to me the other day, um, I was teasing him, he says, Rabbi, if I would know the future, you would meet me on my yacht. I don't know which stocks to buy. You know, it's a joke, people invest the money, they don't know. No one knows what's tomorrow gonna bring or what's not. That Rebun says, you could maybe study economics and predict something, but truthfully, what really happens in life, Hashem says, even Dovid I didn't say. King David wanted very much, Hashem should tell him his future. And Hashem, tell me my, what's going to be in my future. Hashem says to him, I never tell anyone their future. No one. So what, what do we do No, We just have to do our best. See, when you, get, when you look at life this way, you don't expect someone to make you happy. You make yourself happy. See, what many people are waiting, always waiting, someone to make me happy. How could someone come and, you know, have a great day today? And maybe today something good is going to come up and something this is going to come up. Instead of just saying, I am going to be happy. And you could. If you decide to be happy, you're going to be happy. It is very challenging, I must tell you. And the truth is, it is extremely challenging because we were born to quetch. I've said this more than once. A baby is born, the baby cries. It's all the baby does. The communication with the baby the first few years is quetching, crying. And k- baby needs nursing, cries. Gets wet, cries. Gets a little older, that is also, there's no, it's got part of our system, and we got to change this outlook in life. Any questions? I think the last of the more, more explanation that about Well, the explanation is, the end of the story, really, the explanation was that when a person is down, you know, questions Hashem, questions everything. That's why he became, he became lost. Everything. There's another small part to the story. The small part of the story is that um, as he was talking to the to the to prime the prime minister, he he got a message that a. Uh, he said a shirt in English, a demon. A demon wants to send a message for him. And, you know, it it's takes a little time. Maybe next week I'll go into it. The story was that because he didn't believe in Hashem, didn't believe in Kedusha, didn't challenge everything, that's why at the end he became totally demised, as we would say. Totally in demise, so to say. And uh, where the uh, tam was simple, accepted everything, was very happy. That's why he was such a booming success. And the truth it is that way. If you're happy and simple, you get along with people much better. You're not, I'm not awaiting you to make me happy today. Not waiting that someone else should make me happy. You have the resources in yourself to be happy. Any other questions? but it doesn't come naturally. Happiness, uh, I, as a young man, I used to ask people who are happy, and I noticed that every person who's happy, I noticed, is they decided to be happy. I know people that, and doctors do say that people suffer from clinical depression, meaning uh, uh, chemical depression, but an average person who's happy is because he decides, I want to be happy. It's not... They are just a happy bone, people like to say. They decide to be happy. I, I was lucky. I have a father who was a very happy person. And I watched him growing up. He decided to be a happy person. And it was got annoyed. I watched many, many often. and, and it, it, Because the default of our moods is depression. If a person goes on vacation, and lets go of everything, they become depressed. I was for years wondering why people come back from, the, from vacation, they're depressed. And I'm a robber of a wealthy shoe, and these people spend who knows money, and they go who knows where. They don't come They come back maybe relaxed, not, but they come back depressed, I noticed, can't ba- wait to get back to the office. I thought you ran away, and it finally hit me one time, I watched, because when people let go of everything, you become depressed. And because the nature, but this, uh, in Kabbalah it's explained, that comes from the chet of the Mauritian. sin of the cause that the, our default is not to be happy. People are happy is because they say, "I want to be happy." And it doesn't come easy. It's true. It's work. It's a reminder every day, and every day has a different challenge. Today I know I know what's waiting me. For today I know it's a big challenge today. It is one of those days I do know my offer waiting for me. But I'm going to try to be the happiest, you know what I mean, with all the headaches that's waiting for me. Can't wait. If you wait someone else to make you happy, then you, you're never going to be happy. So, what is the. Way to know if you are doing that? Well, you have to act happy. If you act, you fake it till you make it. You have to act happy, you have to put a smile on your face and slowly you become much happier. And even, there's no way a person could be happy all the time because our moods switch. We're happy and then we get disappointed and we get agitated and we don't feel so well. But as a general person that says he wants to be happy, he'll try in all the situations to put a positive note into it. When depressed people, you know, put in a depressed note in, in the situation. That's the reality. I, I, you know, uh, someone showed me an article, and uh, there, there was a singles get together. I think this was in Pico um, a while ago, and the speaker said this. He told me that uh, someone showed me this a uh, short article that the speaker explained to this young people that part of them to move ahead is you must have a positive outlook to have a happy outlook. He was not talking about Yiddishkeit. He was a a psychologist, secular. Jew. He was just trying to help them, you know, get out and date and do the right thing. And he was a speaker. And one of the things he said is when you're happy, you are proactive. That's the word in English. You go out and you do. When you're not happy, you don't even pick up dates. You don't even realize how you want to do it. So you have to act happy and you become happy. And there's no way that there's you no know, way that always, because every day we have our ups and downs. But there could be ups and downs, depressed, depressed, or you could up and downs, happy and not so happy, you know, happy and not so happy. And the truth is, Hashem demands from us to be happy. It's not extra credit to be happy. The Reboi demands us in the Torah, It's a passing the Torah. The Tzoras came to Kollel So because they didn't worship Hashem with happiness. Okay. Yeah. You know. a successful week.